Well, I'm pulling for you. Are you ready in the back there, Gabe? Absolutely. Dylan, are you ready? Mike, how about you? Ready. I'm ready. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Glass Half Sports. I am one-third or a quarter of your uh, hosts for the day, uh, Nick Huffman. Joined by Mike Metzing, my faithful co-host, and with the addition of Dylan Gelzo back as the hockey playoffs approach, and as always, our co our, our producer in the back, Gabe. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing well, man. Yeah, all the doing way well. live. Good. Very here. good, very We're good. Uh, we got a big show for you guys today, Mike. Can you run everybody through where they can find us and what we got going on for them? Yeah, as always, guys, we do have a big show for you today, so make sure to check us out on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, and Patreon. Uh, we supposedly have a Twitch up and going now. We do. Uh, look at that. Uh, and then you can find us on local cable on MCN6 here in the Twin Cities area. Otherwise, you can access that through your Roku app through MCN6. Uh, like I said, big show today. So the mm-hmm. quick rundown is we're going to do Minnesota Sports Roundup. Uh, Bronny is a McDonald's All-American, MLB Open Season. NFL offseason, UFC news, and then MLB 30 under 30. And I'm out of breath after the show rundown. I think that's the longest show rundown we've ever had. Could quite potentially. <sighs> Big show. Big show. So we're going to have to do it with some energy and some pace, which is why we got the extra horsepower with right us here. today. Dylan, thanks for coming back, bud. Um, but we can jump right into it with a little bit of Vikings vision. Um, Mike, anything on the on the news front outside of maybe the the, the subtle hint that the Vikings – Pretty much told Kirk Cousins to go fuck himself um, after his team approached the Vikings looking for a three-year contract extension at a discount. Your thoughts on this? Were you surprised at all? Um, I'm surprised it took Kirk Cousins this long, but it also makes sense, right? Yeah. He finally got a good situation with a good head coach in a system that he enjoys that's built around his strengths. He goes, yeah, you know, I really like the complexion of this team moving forward. Let me go ahead and take a pay cut to help this team. Yeah. But he's also 34 and on the last year of his contract. Correct. So it's just a little bit too little too late in Kirk's case. And I don't blame the Vikings either. Kwesi and KOC have hinted at and are pretty much pursuing the rookie contract quarterback to build a team around him as their mold. Uh, they've been going out and signing <clears throat> run blocking tight ends and trying to beef up the defense. Yeah. They are building a playoff football team here that's going to be a little bit more balanced than what we saw last year. And Kirk Cousins is not in that long-term plan. I would agree with everything that you have to say. Dylan, your thoughts on hearing that the Vi- you know, a little bit more casual Vikings fan. What do you think about moving on from Kirk and hearing that the team's kind of pushed the the ball in that direction? I think my only question would be who's next? Who's on the who's on the list? Who's the prospects we're looking at? Trust in Quasi would be my response. Right. I think right. my the biggest thing that I notice here with the Minnesota Vikings is the word more they wanted more complexity on defense so they went out and got ryan flores they wanted more pressure so they leaned into a guy like that they wanted quiet players that were more quasi style second chance guys buy low guys we got some of those byron murphy marcus davenport at the quarterback position and on offense last year i think part of the reason why we didn't get to see the offensive guru-ness of what Kevin O'Connell is really capable of is because maybe the right players weren't in place. Agreed. And now there were other holes to fix last year, and they're addressing those. But when it comes to the quarterback position, you were going to get the best version of Kirk Cousins last year. Yep. They were the best weapons he was going to have throughout his enti- the remainder of his tenure. It was going to be on the most salary cap-friendly team with the best equipped defense. And they looked at his ceiling and said, 
everything else needs to give more. Kirk Cousins can't, and so we're not going to extend him, which is very, to me, relevant to the conversation that I was having back when we signed Kirk after, after our NFC Championship run, which was, that's the standard. That's the glass ceiling. If you're not consistently pressed up against that, trying to break through, you're not doing your job. True. And the Vikings have decided that's the route they're going to take. That's no longer the it's no longer Kirk in the future. But you have now effectively started the clock on are we trading for somebody? Are we drafting somebody? Are we bridging on somebody? And that is the major question as the Vikings continue to get steam picked up on the Lamar Jackson train. They have moved into second in betting odds mm. at a lot of booking sites now for Lamar Jackson uh, ahead of, or just behind the uh, New England Patriots, believe it or not. Uh, and the Ravens have fallen to third to retain after Lamar comes out and says, you know, hey, um, want everybody to know the truth is, and he should have done this a long time Would ago. Would that be smart for us, though? This is what we're going to get into here in a second. He pretty much comes out and says ahead of the league meetings when Harbaugh goes to speak, uh, hey, everybody needs to know the truth. Uh, I requested a trade on March 2nd. They tagged me a week after that. I'm not looking for guaranteed money. I want to go somewhere where I can win a Super Bowl. Um, Obviously, a move he should have done months and months and months and months ago. But with that news, Mike, does it, in your opinion, change the approach to maybe making a Lamar Jackson deal? Well, let's just uh, take a breath here and look at some Lamar statistics to look at this uh, objectively. Sure. Lamar came into the league in 2018, got his first NFL start in week 12 after Flacco was hurt two weeks prior. Yep. The next season, MVP season in 2019. So what I did was I took all quarterback statistics from from and including the season of 2019, his Mm -hmm. MVP season. Sure. So to almost help him statistically against these other quarterbacks, I gave him his MVP season basically as his rookie season. Since then, 20th in passing yards. Names like Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, and Jimmy Garoppolo are ahead of him. 10th in passing touchdowns. Less than Derek Carr, only six more than Ryan Tannehill. First in total yards of rushing, but 580 attempts. Fifth in rushing touchdowns behind Ryan Tannehill. Rejected a six-year deal with $133 million guaranteed. Three-year deal, but yeah. Would only be behind Deshaun Watson as far as money guaranteed towards quarterback contracts. In the last two years, he has only played 12 games in each year. uh, And he is also coming off of a PCL injury in his knee. Mm -hmm. He is not a good passer in this league to demand that kind of money. In fact, he's a median passer in this league. And to me, uh, the biggest gripe that Viking fans have had about Kirk Cousins along with his mediocre to above average play is his contract. And for us as Vikings fans to whine about a contract going to a quarterback and not being able to build around that quarterback position to turn around and do the exact same thing to an injury riddled quarterback. Who's going to be taking that money sitting on the bench in week 15 while the level of play on the field is poorer because of what we're paying him does not make any sense to me at all. So here is why, like, and I, and this is the, to me, what Mike laid out is the framework for the average Minnesota sports fan that doesn't want to see Lamar Jackson in Minnesota. Like True. The, and anybody who lands in that camp has that to say, I hear, I've seen it on social media everywhere. The argument remains the same, right? Concerns about injury, not worth the money. 
Um, maybe has a little bit of an attitude issue because he sat out the playoff game. Um, isn't a great passer. Um, whatever these things may be. Okay. I look at it from the devil's advocate side. Of course. You have to, right? You have to see all sides. And then I went, okay, where am I really going to land on this? Because I do truly believe that a younger quarterback is the right answer. But if you're going to make a swing. But what about team cohesion? I I totally get it. Lamar Jackson has been one of the best locker room guys in the league in Baltimore over the last five years as well. So I wouldn't worry about that. But here's what I'm going to say. Okay, he's the 20th ranked passer in the league in yardage. Probably because the number of attempts that that guy has offered to throw the ball are vastly fewer than Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Matt Daniel Stafford, Jones? Dak Prescott. Uh-oh. Jimmy Garoppolo, who's also been injury-riddled. Correct. Through more passing yards than him. Okay, that's fine. Do you want me to look up the now, exact passing and, attempts? Okay, now listen. All of those guys are also in offenses with a multitude of perimeter weapons. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo has George Kittle and Debo Samuel, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, even guys like Tua. I didn't like say Tua. Patrick Mahomes' name once. I said Carson once. Ta- okay, even uh, at, who had Terry McLaurin. You can— who, Regardless of what you, regardless of what you have to say about wide receiver talent, would be the by far the most talented receiver that Lamar Jackson has ever had. Would be Terry McLaurin. Now, if you put him in an offense with a number one weapon, True. where you're giving him more pass attempts, because the one thing that nobody else wants to talk about, by the way, is through the first two years of Lamar Jackson's career. He was the second most accurate quarterback in NFL history. What happened in the last two years of his career? They traded away his top receiving weapon, and he's been hurt due to an increase in rushing attempts. So what I'm hearing devil's advocate here is if you put him with our weapons on offense, he's going to be better. I think he'll also be healthier. He will also be healthy. He will also be healthier because he will be playing indoors on a fast track in a system that isn't designed for him to run the ball downhill at the clip that the Ravens have forced him into. Now, the counter argument is immediately going to be they'd open it up if he was a better passer. Okay, well, he had earned that with the second most highest completion percentage through the first two years of his career. And what did they do? They steered away from it instead of into it. That's Baltimore's problem. And where the crux of this contract issue had come from in the first place, he wants to be a quarterback. He wants to develop those skills. Those take reps, reps he's not currently getting. So I'm not saying he's worth 230, but but if if Lamar were to come to the table and say, all right, I'll tell you what, (laughs) Seven years, over seven years, two hundred million guaranteed with options to go to two fifty. I would take it. It's the rest of his prime, and it's True. cap friendly. And you're getting a guy that is a has the second highest winning percentage outside of any quarterback besides Patrick Mahomes since Lamar was drafted. And how many playoff wins? One. Okay, thanks. Better right. than what Kirk has. Kirk has one as well, Nick. It's not better. It's the same. It's the same. In a vastly longer career. Do you think in vastly said, better situations? One of us gone, stated facts. Mike. One of us stated, well, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here and give our my opinion. That's cool. all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, no statistical basis to anything that you said today. None. No, none. So the second highest winning percentage is not a statistic. The second highest completion percentage For, is not a, a, is not a statistic. Let's look it up, Nick. 
let's look it up. What's your source? I'm curious what your source is. So we want to. We're curious of his second highest winning. You would percentage. have to literally go back to so a since Nick 2019 a... highest winning percentage by a quarterback, right? Correct. Okay, let's look it up. Oh, hold on. So let me ask you this, Mike, because I feel like you guys are making two separate arguments. Sam, Sam Which... Howell, Kurt Benkert, and KJ Costello are the top three. <laughs> so, so isn't at least what I'm hearing is that. You know, there's one side that you say for the potential, right? That uh, that you still believe that he's an elite talent, yes. right? Fourth. Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. So, so Mike, do you think that he just does not have those skills? Like they're gone. I think he's never been an elite passer. You cannot win an MVP without being an elite you passer. Can't. You can't. Nick, you can't. His passing statistics. Okay, do you want to just yell or do you want to actually learn something today? Because you're wrong. And I'm trying to tell you in the nicest way I can. No other pocket passer would ever win an MVP with 3,000 yards and 36 touchdowns. I texted That's you this. Not- 36 touchdowns wouldn't have led the league in any other season since 2010. It was his rushing statistics added to a mediocre, maybe above average passing season that helped him win MVP. He's not going to be able to run forever. He's coming off a PCL injury in his knee that w- does not help with explosiveness. That's all he's about is explosive play as a quarterback. He's only played in 24 games over the last two seasons. He's injury prone. And okay. once you take his legs away, what is he? He's the eight touchdown guy a game that you were getting at Louisville because they weren't forcing him downfield. Right, right. So, guys, I'm curious who you think is right. Me, who stated facts the entire time, or Nick, who thinks he's going to replicate an eight touchdown performance from college. Eight a game? Yeah. What was eight, seven, wow. six was common. In college, dude, in a wide open offense with five receivers, in a wide open offense, can run. I was gonna say he's not gonna be able to run run. forever, especially in the NFL. Because guess what? Linebackers in the NFL can damn near catch quarterbacks like that. So my my final nail in the coffin to this would be nail in the coffin. Will be it? There's not the first. Okay, whatever. What was (laughs) what did Michael Vick turn into when he was given Andy Reid? A prolific passer. That was injury prone, had won one playoff game because they got a bye and then it got him into the NFC Championship, who everybody thought wasn't going to be worth it. He had taken time away from the game even, and he came back. Can you really compare Lamar? They are super – they are ridiculously similar. Okay. Gabe, Gabe, what are your thoughts on that? So I'm just curious which season you're you're talking about as prolific. So – 3,300 yards and 18 touchdowns or 2,300 yards and 12 touchdowns? Which, Mike which one of those was prolific? For Mike Vick? Yeah, in Philly. Which one of them was prolific? 2,300 yards and 12 touchdowns or 3,300 yards well, and You're 18? not going to just look at statistics and tell me you didn't watch you Lightning? You can't they put that up. something is prolific when it's average. <sighs> okay, Mike. Mike will, take, Mike will take the approach today of nothing but numbers, and you have to put every single one of those into a vacuum, and that's his argument for why Joe Maurer should belong in the Hall of Fame which has nothing to do with the impact that is actually developed or impressed on the game by the players. We're not going to sit here and act like we didn't watch Mike Vick and Deshaun Jackson put up video game numbers in Philadelphia. You are in your feelings right now. Because we can go back and watch the highlights. There's a reason why Deshaun Jackson has the most 60-yard touchdowns. Cousins highlights, too. He scored on read options, man. Jesus Christ. What's your point? We can watch highlights on anybody. So moving forward on this. Yeah. No, I, I... like I said, I believe that the younger quarterback is the way to go. I 100% do. Well, I would agree with that, but uh, th- there's maybe certain... Lamar. Maybe not Lamar. Th- yeah. I Like I said, it's it's a, it's it's an open discussion for me. Um, 
Let's let's talk uh, or move on over to uh, the draft. Uh, we've been taking a look at some of the mocks as far as players that could be coming off the board, and TCU wide receiver Quinton Johnson uh, is is up there as well. Yep, Quinton Johnson, six foot four, two hundred fifteen pounds, uh, mid first round pick talent. He was Max Duggan's favorite target. Max Duggan was in the uh, Heisman finalists out of TCU. Uh, Seventeen point eight yards per catch is going to be the most. Uh, important number that jumps out from his statistical year here uh he had a lot of receptions as well was involved in the offense the only thing to me that would be concerning with his six foot four frame is he's not much of a red zone threat uh six touchdowns uh, a little concerning over a 14 game season being six foot four but would be interesting to see quentin johnston here in minnesota with that big frame yeah i was gonna say it just doesn't seem like a fit for the offense unless you're planning to move JJ to a spot where you're asking him to operate more from the slot uh, to give him space, maybe to look at matchups, a big physical guy like this, I would assume obviously doesn't, I I haven't seen a ton of film on him. What is his separation? Is he able to separate well over the middle of the field? Yeah, he would be an outside receiver along with JJ. JJ would be on one side. This guy would be on the other. Um, The Vikings offense is dependent on Deep digs, deep crossers, and then posts or something along those lines over the top. So you'd have this guy running the deep drags, deep crossers, his big frame over the middle. And you'd have JJ with his explosiveness going over the top. Uh, Would work, but I don't know if it's necessarily worth that first round pick is my opinion. The value isn't there. Same here. Um, The unfortunate truth is the more I realize that we're really leaning into away from drafting another corner um, as far as everything that I'm seeing on, on reports. It's looking like interior offensive line, maybe an edge rusher or a wide receiver. Um, and a lot of the guys that are of appropriate value are probably just outside of our reach. And we're probably looking at a Rick Spielman style trade back in the first round to get a second and another third and work backwards in the draft again this year, if I'm being totally honest with you, is the painful truth is, as I look at how the draft seems to be unfolding. Correct. Did you have a player you were going to break down today? Or? Uh, this was the only one that just, came up just uh, recently huh? for, uh, yeah, the, uh, sounds good. For that. And then uh, last but not least, the uh, way too early gambling attic win totals came out for the NFL projected win totals came out for the NFL eight and a half games for the Vikings. Gabe, you want to put that other graphic up real quick? I wanted to see, I wanted to ask Mike based on who our projected opponents are. At home, so let's try to get to eight and a half here. Let's look at our home games first. Bears, Lions, Packers, Chiefs, Chargers, Saints, Niners, Bucks. How many wins are we getting at home next year, Mike? The way the rosters are currently the way the rosters currently constructed, say four or five. Okay, let's go to the road. Bears, Lions, Packers, Falcons, Panthers, Bengals, Broncos, Raiders, Eagles. Four or five. Ten win team. Nine or ten win team. Nine or ten win team. So you're taking the over at this point? Yeah, over eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I would go over eight and a half as well. I think uh the media is being a little harsh on the Vikings. I do believe the roster is actually improving. Why do we go so far backwards from thirteen? We were only well, we were not a th- we were not projected a thirteen win team last year. Well, sure, but we won thirteen games. Right, you know what I mean. I'm just saying for the media to to go that far back. I don't know. You're losing a lot of leadership. You are. You are. If you're looking at it from an outsider's perspective, not as not everybody is as close to the teams as the people who live in the state. Right? These are Vegas betters. These are national betting odds. You're looking at a team that has lost 
uh, a combined, what, 300 starts over the last eight years or something like that with Thielen, Kendricks. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. You said this team is getting better? Yes. Where? Uh, it's getting younger, and they're fixing the salary cap, and that's all that matters. So not actually more talented. I believe by the time the roster's done being constructed, we will be a better team for we will be a better team moving forward. We're not going to be bad this year. I'm not saying we're going to six wins. I think ten is still doable, which gets you a playoff spot. Can you can you point to one spot on the roster where you feel like we're better? Just position better, right? Yeah, I think we're positioned yeah. better for the future for in every spot, okay. dude. Well, you need money to to yeah, go yeah. forward. No, and build. I'm just curious. Mm. I'm just curious what he was thinking. Uh, cool. Well, yeah. Well, what is your like? What is your thought? So, like, I guess is the team acknowledging that this is a rebuild? Yeah, they are, huh? What well, a fucking I mean, depressing it's, it's team. It's pretty to much follow. obvious, right? So that that's why, like, the wording to me was just odd because we're clearly not better. Are we? Are we going to be better because we're taking a step back willingly? Yeah, I would agree with that. Once again, I think there's so many like there's so many different things that impact situations like this. And I think if you're the Vikings, you look at the fact that if you have we're gonna have to do it, this is the year. Green Bay's in transition. Chicago isn't ready. Detroit isn't ready. You can rebuild this year while everybody else dips, but you have you don't have to dig nearly as far to get out of the holes as some of these other teams are trying to climb out of. So if you're if you would have waited to do this in 2025 or 2024. Then you're in real trouble because in 2025 and 2026, the Packers transition will be done. Detroit will have found their quarterback. Chicago's draft picks will be matured. Like Detroit has their quarterback. Dan Campbell was asked about Lamar Jackson and said, I have a quarterback. I, I get it. Okay, continue to dig on the Lamar Jackson thing all you want. That, uh, that's a fact. That's what Do we want to revisit trading uh, Jefferson yet? I No. <laughs> it's not even worth the discussion. Yeah, it is. To me. What's up, Trent? Thank you, man. Uh, Quentin Johnston isn't a very good route runner. Trent has experience with DBs. I believe he's a coach at Blaine, actually. So I very nice. trust, yeah, that, trust that judgment. Thanks for stopping in. Always appreciate it. Um, but yeah, no, I think if you look at the situation, they're they're better in 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 a in a spot. They're 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 better situationally moving forward into the future, and positionally, they're not worse than they were before. I don't think our linebacking core is worse than it was with Aaron Ke- with Eric Kendricks on it. I don't think our DB room is worse with Murphy in and Peterson out and Dansler out. I don't. They just got to get deeper now. I would. Disagree with you. Okay. At first, I thought this comment that just came through was a joke because of my years of like conditioning. Oh, no. It's, yep, it's, it's very real. real. I think Detroit That's what will I was win. Say. Hey, the, their, their projected win total came out at nine and a half. Yeah, I think they're going to win 11 games. Yep. I think Detroit will win the division this year. Probably playing that third place schedule. Yep. So, with that, let's uh, give a little shine to our guest in studio, oh. our friend of the show, Dylan Gelzo, is going to take us through Wild Watch because he knows the sport. Better. Coming off a big win last night, big buddy. Big win last night. Yeah. Avs, great team. Won 4-2. to two. Goudreau with the two shorties and 40s. Got to love that. Gustafson. So close. So close to that. To that. To that short. That short. That shorthanded hat trick. Trick would have been the third in NHL history. Yeah. Would have been, been really phenomenal. Cool. That does not happen a lot. And it's fun to watch. Fun hockey to watch. But, I mean, honestly, defensively, we played out of our minds yesterday. We had to. That avalanche offense is out of their mind. They're phenomenal. So, I mean, moving forward here, we have to keep playing the same play, and especially with Kirill still out, but this is big for us. Get two points, and hopefully coming up next week, we can 
beat the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Um, so our division. So a couple of things here. You, you're obviously a little more uh, akin to the ice than me and Mike are. Yes. Kirill gets back on skates yesterday. What's the timetable you think on his return then? <clears throat> I don't think Dean or even Bill Guerin is going to really push anything on that because they want him as healthy as he can be for playoffs. I think he's still going to be out game one against Vegas, and then he might play game two, but he's not going to, I don't think he's going to see the ice time that he saw because, again, want him as healthy as he can be, want that leg solid yeah. going into playoffs because we don't want to mess around. But again, our team is picked up the pace without having him there. And it's nice to see. I mean, Matt Boldy has been on a bender. I mean, he had nine goals in 10 games. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. And a Hattie on top of that. Awesome. But I mean, everyone's picking up the pace. Felino, Zuccarello, Hartman, Hart, Hartsy getting on the board all the time. He's big in every game. He's a huge impact, but also with Brodeen. Brodeen's been phenomenal on defense. Same with Spurgeon. I would like to see Dumba and uh, Klingberg kind of pick it up a little bit, but everybody else has been, They've been doing their part. They've been coming together because they know their biggest asset on the team, Kirill, has been out, and they don't know when he's going to be back. Yeah, so absolutely. It's just been questionable. Absolutely. They, what what um, did Boldy and Kirill play on the same line ever? Yes, they did. Yep. Do they split them up when he comes back? Yep. So they'll split them up, and they'll have probably either Zuccarello and Hartman and <clears throat> Kirill, or it'll be Zuccarello, Kirill for sure, and then they'll put somebody else on line. But they're going to have Boldy as a hot second liner because they know he'll perform with anybody who's on his line, and they you're probably going to line him up with Erickson Eck and either Felino or Hartman. I'd say that's going to be the lineup of those first second lines, but our first second line is going to be hot. And then obviously we got that third, fourth line, Revo. Got to love Revo. <laughs> he scored four goals in like nine games. That's huge. And he had a, a Gordie Howe hat trick. I mean, come on. It's about, Ryan Reeves. Yeah. That guy never scores. Situation. Has that clarified now? I think it's still split, right? Who would I start in game one of a series? Oh, man. After last that's night. A, that's a clear no. After, like after right last night, you have to um, say it's Gustafson, right? Because between you, playoff level hockey was the thing that a, me and Mike like, thought we had It's a hard debate, seen. though. Because, I mean, I've been watching hockey, for, obviously, forever. But so you have the guy who's Hall of Famer goalie. Mm-hmm. Right, has the experience, has multiple Stanley Cups under his belt, but then you have the guy who actually fucking performs. Mike will argue you on the fact that he I performs love, these days. I love Flurry. I love Flurry. I love Flurry. He's my favorite goalie I've ever watched. He's I a, love him. So I just, who are you starting in game one, Dylan? Gustafson. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I especially last night. So when Which we were talking happen, about when way. we when we were talking about no, playoff. Unfortunately, it won't. It won't. Flurry will start. I guarantee it. When we were That's talking about last year. playoff hockey earlier, when he played against the Bruins, right? We were like, hey, we'd like to see what his ceiling is. He did kind of seem like he got the doors blown off of him in that game. To see him last night, between that game and last night, where 18 saves in the third period. The guy's standing on his head pretty much all game against a very good team. Our star's out. We've got health concerns in other spots. Like, obviously not the Wilds' best night. 42 saves. That's a that's phenomenal. That's against, your guy. Against the Avalanche offense. That's your guy. That's basically number two offense in the league besides Boston. Yeah. If you're looking at names and numbers alone, it's... So the Wild are 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. They lead the Central Division by three points currently. They do have one more game played than the Stars and Avalanche. They are only one point behind the Vegas Golden Knights for the one seed in the Western Conference. And we do see the Knights on Saturday, April Fool's Day and Monday, April 3rd, before we see you guys next Thursday. Predictions, Dylan, for the, goal, for the Golden Knight games coming up? 
I, dude, that's a honestly coin flip, but I want to say us first game, and depending on if we have Kirill second game, I don't know. It'd be nice to just win one of them and then maybe steal right. a point from the other. If we exactly, if we can win one yeah. in regulation, we get two points that puts us one ahead of them, and then let's say overtime loss, overtime L, fine. then we're tied. Going walk in, out tied. We walk out tied. That's huh. that's end game scenario. That's what I go with. All right, I'd be okay with that. Well, let's uh, transition over to the by one game Minnesota Timberwolves, one game above 500 on the season, sitting in the seven seed, five and five in their last 10, pretty much just treading water. Uh, this last week for Minnesota Timberwolves basketball has been a synopsis of what the remainder of Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is going to look like. Oh, hey, look, a couple of wins and then a contender and you take a fat L because they had... Even though they tried their hardest last night against the Suns, when the Suns actually wanted to take that game over, they did. And it was pretty evident. And that's who the Wolves are this year. They might they might get into the sixth seed and steal a game. And then you're going to wonder where the, who these guys are when they play the rest of that series. I really think it really depends on who we have as a matchup in the first series. Uh, if you give us the Kings round one, I don't know if I like the Kings' chances in that seven-game series. I, I really don't. Um, if you give us the Suns, yeah, we all know how that's going, right? So it really yep. just depends on who we get. I would almost like to take on the Grizzlies, too, if I'm being honest. Uh, stay away from the Suns. Stay away from the Nuggets. It's really going to be how it all plays out down the stretch because we are just a couple games out of the five seed, but we are one game out of falling out of contention for a playoff spot. So Yeah, um, I will say this. Credit where credit is due. Cat has fit in better than expected on his return. He Five has, games left. He has taken a little bit of a back seat and just been there. And I'm cool with that. Obviously, he's gonna. we're going to see if that persists as we close in on the playoffs. But your thoughts on Cat's return so far? Uh, yeah. Like you said, I, I would actually agree with you. Has has been a little bit more of a cog in the machine instead of something that's going the opposite way. It seems like he's actually going with the flow of the team now, which is nice to see. We like it. Stay stay at it, Cat. Thank you. Uh, Twins teaser. Let's pivot to opening day. Happy opening day, everybody. Yeah. It doesn't quite seem that way in Minnesota because I'm pretty sure I still had icicles hanging off my windows this morning, but it is here. They open up the season in Kansas City tonight with Pablo Lopez stepping on the bump. Uh, your projected starters for the weeks uh, for the week are going to be uh, then Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Tyler Mahe, and Kenta Maeda as we move into the Marlins series. That will take us through the fifth before we see you guys uh, again. Um, as far as news ahead of the season, a couple of comments here. Uh, first of all, Ober was the odd man out in the rotation this year. Interesting to see him option down to AAA instead of saying staying up as a long relief option for the uh, the Twins with their notorious short starts. I think he's the odd man out right now. Okay. Um, you really don't know what Maeda is going to give you over a long period of time with how long he's been out. I, I You're going to see Ober pitch for the Twins this year, period. Yeah. So it's, it's oh, absolutely. How long does that take? Well, I mean, you're going to see him. You're likely going to see Josh Winder. You're likely going to see Louis Varlin at some point. Yeah. There's a lot of guys, obviously, that'll, that'll, that'll break into that rotation. And then uh, – Kind of in the same vein, Sonny Gray doubles down on his comments from uh, about a year ago saying that I don't think we're going to be satisfied with four four or five inning starts anymore. Are you, are you again, I'll, we'll ask, are you buying the longer starts and heavier workload for the, the starting rotation of the Minnesota Twins this year? I'm going to buy it 
to an extent. Okay. Um, what I would really, really like to see out of the Twins this year is just make a quality start the the benchmark. Six innings. If you Bang. can give me six innings, let up three runs, I'm cool with it. Go take your five days off. I'll see you. In, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if we can just be consistent with quality starts, that would be an absolute godsend for, from our pitching rotation. And honestly, I saw a graphic on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Twitter. Twitter. Oh, saw, oh, there we go. Wait, uh, Mike's on Twitter? <laughs> that had the Minnesota Twins pitching rotation from this year all the way back to 2000. Mm-hmm. There was maybe one year that the rotation looked better at opening. Right? No, absolutely. So this is exciting. Um, I don't, like I said, the Twins are missing the one. Yeah, I mean, we're not the Yankees pitching rotation. Sure. But, but here's what I'll tell you. Compared to the last 20 years of rotations that we've had. And even if you looked at the rest of the league, the Twins might have one of the deeper starting rotations on opening day this year. They've got... Three we talk- starter, three starter, three starter, three starter. But, but when it. they play three starter versus four starter and three starter versus five, five starter and, six. and three starter yeah, versus that's three starter, like those games are advantage us. Oh, yeah. And it's 500 baseball. It's 500 baseball. But here's the thing. You play 500 baseball. You win some. You lose some. <laughs> now you're at 90 wins. Seriously, though. No, you play 80, 500 82. Baseball. 82 wins. 81 is 81, 81, 81 and 81 is 500 baseball. Yeah. If you can steal nine games, you're at 90 wins. That wins the central. But I don't think it's three starter, three starter. Pablo Lopez is I, a two. He's a true two. Is I a true that, two. I think, I think Joe, Joe Ryan, Ryan would be chance. a two. And I think, yeah, I was going to say, Joe Ryan is a developing into a true two. And Sonny then Gray it's, was a one in Cincinnati because they were god awful. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> well, so was Tyler Mahe, right? And my, Mahe, Mahe, uh, Mahe if, if he can figure out his velocity stuff, his upside was a one. Yeah. So, so like, it a, might a be much deeper A's, rotation. 3A, 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 3A. Yeah, sure. No, A, I mean, it is strong. It's just one of those things. You get so fucking tired of just like, <laughs> wow, what a good value squad we've got again. But, but they did it right this time. But I will they say this. We have been saying that for the last 20 years. Oh, yeah. But on paper, this is. <laughs> but we really have. That's the Twins way. I know. We've been doing it for 40 years. But on paper, this is the highest value squad that we've put together with our little pieces going into opening day. Seriously. In we 25 like years. Such that's a something bunch to be optimistic about. But here's the thing. The, the, other, the other part is, for the first time in a long time, I also have confidence in if we make the quality start the the average like the the benchmark that the bullpen we'll isn't yeah. isn't gonna blow no. ridiculous and I leads think our offense either. is gonna be able to put up four runs and win games for three. I would agree. This There's is a whole conversation of people just going like no like like <laughs> seriously like not that bad. This is the same argument bad. this is the same argument I just made on Lamar Jackson. No, I know, now I now know. Mike's bought in. It's just <laughs> I, I I, I agree it with it on I'm the just... twins because I feel like the numbers support it. <laughs> well, and plus right. we can't afford it anyway. I mean, we shouldn't be spending all that money. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, who knows? I'm not wrong. Go look at our starting <laughs> go look at our starting rotation pitching statistics for this year. Well, it's just a starting rotation. Yeah, there stats. we go. There we go. All right. And then uh Mike, you wanna kind of talk the the people through the the new little twins ticker we're gonna do yeah, throughout so the entire season here. We're gonna do a twins ticker for this season. No, Omar. Um oh, yeah, so Omar. Nick and I are going to make Two predictions per week about the Minnesota Twins. They have to be based. They have to be based in statistical fact because we have to be able to check them. Yep. They, they have to be qualifiable. They have to be qual. Yeah. Quant- quantifiable. Quantifiable. Qualifiable. Qualifiable. Quantifiable. Whatever you want. Quantifiable. They have to sure. be quantifiable. Something with a Q. If we get it correct, <laughs> we get a point. If we don't, we get zero points. Next week, 
after our two predictions this week, we're going to have zero, one, or two points on our Twins tracker, and we'll keep it moving forward. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the season, me and Mike will uh, do some kind of crazy giveaway or something. Maybe we can play against you guys. Maybe you guys can vote to see who you think is going to win throughout the season and something like that, and and give something away. So, Mike, let's start with you. What are and Dylan? We'll have you do. We'll do. We'll have you do two as well. What am I? Okay. We'll have Mike go first since you were listening. Um, Mike, give me two predictions that uh, will happen to the Minnesota Twins before the fifth. Oof. So before the fifth, I might have to change this one. So I'll go to my second one first. Joey Gallo is hitting less than 200. Oh, okay. By the fifth. Okay. If you would have said something positive, I would have fucking just thrown up back here. But okay. All right. Thank and you. And your other one. Um, I had the <clears throat> Twins will finish both series at three and three. I'd really like to keep that if we could. It's still quantifiable. We can check it. It just won't be done by next show. Sure. I think we're going to be 500 coming out of these two series. Fair enough. Three. Is that fair? Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, I have that the, by uh, the end of this series of games, I'm taking this chunk of five, that the Twins will have two starts at two starters who fit exit the game at six or more innings. Okay. I agree with that. Yep. Okay. I like it. Uh, and then the other one is, I believe... That Jose Miranda will have three home runs by the time we visit with you guys next week. I hope you're right, but I don't think you're going to be. All right. Well, Get that man our, uh, off the screen. He just loves hearing you guys justify mediocrity. <laughs> Thanks, Hall of Fame Joe. It really hits him. Thanks, right Hall of Fame Joe. Right right we'll see you later, man. All right, Dylan, you want to give us your two? Ah. Uh, Two predictions about the Twins that are going to be quantifiable in the first two series. Uh, they of beat the season. Marlins on the third, and then yeah, <laughs> Jose Miranda gets a homer. How about that? Fair enough. I don't know. Oh, that's super easy. Yeah. All Miranda has to do is get a homer. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's transition into a talking point. Yeah, uh, what is it going to be, Mike? McDonald's high school All-American game, and LeBron James' son, Bronny, was in attendance. Uh, not only in attendance, uh, participated uh, first in the slam dunk contest. Did you see this? I saw that he finished second. I did. Yeah, or he, I, I, I did see that as well. Um, I will say this, though. A little impressed for a guy that's six foot three to show off the level of athleticism that he was able to show off. He's got more bounce than I thought. Uh, I've always kind of looked at Bryce as the better of the two players, to be quite honest with you. Um, and Bronny just was a little undersized, maybe not quite as athletic, maybe not quite as heady, right? But I'm impressed a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say, Bronny James is a, is a freak athlete. He's a top 50 player in his class in the United States. He's a great basketball player, great athlete, great Genes. The question is how much I'm of it sure is he comes hype. from great resources you know, or has great oh, yeah. resources at home as well. Uh, what do you consider or what do you think of when you hear that the McDonald's high school all-American basketball game is happening? Who 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 do you think of as the players in that game? Oh, like Jordan and Kobe and no, just like McGrady and well, even if they're no-name high school kids that you don't know. Yeah, but like if you turn it on, you know you're seeing blank players in the nation. The best. The best. So yeah. there's 10 players on each team. Yeah. Roughly the top 20 players in the nation should be playing in that game. Yeah. Bronny's 35th in his class. That's, that's. I mean, that's a political, that's 100% one of those basketball politic things. The the brand, the McDonald's brand wanted Bronny to be there. No, no, here's the associate. He's an underdog. No. We should be pulling for him. No, Absolutely. no. He has been handed him? every he's advantage. He's 35th. He's the lowest ranked guy on the whole team. I mean, come on. I would, now, I will say. He's there because of his name. 
Period. Now that is true. That's true. But here's what I'll say: for you to then show up at this event as an undersized second in, in the dunk contest, contest was cool. And, but and also be. then go into the game the following night with everybody paying attention and have an efficient performance where you score 16 Again, points. He's good. I believe he elevated his stock maybe just a sure. little bit over the weekend. He My point is, in, in a weird game. way, I will always argue for the fact yeah. that he shouldn't have been given the opportunity to 100%, raise his stock. 100% agree with you. Because he took – here's the thing that people, like, ignore about this entire argument. He took another kid's spot who was statistically more deserving to be there. Oh, because his the, name was not Bronny James. You and the statistics is today. Is a, is a statistic. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. Dylan, That's you got something for us? No, I'm just watching the – dunk contest right now he, was he's, impressive. he whiffed twice oh yeah he's <laughs> springy for a six foot three right. guy he's springy but the first one i didn't know he could jump like that high. He he's that. pretty bouncy right yeah i wonder where he gets that yeah <laughs> his dad could hit his head on the moon if he wanted to yeah but very bouncy yeah raised his stock a little bit so uh well, let us know what you guys think about this do you think he elevates ohio state back into being a little bit of a power basketball team next year i mean i don't know I feel like Ohio State is always towards the top of the Big Ten, right? It really just depends on if Purdue is up that year. or well, even if Purdue is, Ohio's just got to finish as the 15th seed or whatever and then play Purdue the, right. in, the first round. <laughs> in the first round of the tournament. All right. Well, let us know what you guys thought about Bronny going to the McDonald's High School All-American game and his dunk contest performance. Should he have been there in the first place? Yeah. Uh, we're going to p- pivot back to baseball. We're going to do our Major League Baseball Way Too Early Awards. Yeah, so this uh, these uh, players came out via CBS Sports uh, as the Way Too Early oh, MLB, MLB Awards I predictions. No, it's predictions. I just wanted to get your well, I'm thoughts I'm curious on what these mine guys. are compared to these. That's Can I say mine first? Sure, have at it, Mike. So I got my AL <laughs> This is funny. Uh, I have my AL Cy Young Award winner is Tristan McKenzie. Okay. Uh, AL MVP is Shohei. Okay. Uh, NL Cy Young as Aaron Nola. Okay. And NL MVP Bryce Harper. Okay. Respectable? Not bad. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad that you put Bryce in there. Thanks. And Shohei, which and Shohei. logically makes sense, right? Yeah. And then I uh, picked the upper incomer as the AL Cy Young, Tristan yeah, McKenzie. I, I like that. Gabe, you want to show us what CBS Sports had on the books for uh, same way exact four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think I could get now. you to uh, stay in the same spot in your chair because you're making me Ooh. fucking nuts with your shifting in your chair? <laughs> That's what I was adjusting the thing. No, you're all good. Yeah, uh, so the MVPs are projected, by the way. These were voted on by a committee, or there was a, a panel of votes, so I just picked the guy, the name that recurred, which was Juan Soto and Shohei Otani. A little bit of interest here that you think show, uh, Juan Soto, after kind of a down year last year, new team, stacked lineup, obviously, we think statistically, gets washed away um, in, in lineups like that. I don't think the NL MVP is going to be Juan, no. I don't think so either. I think it will be. I, think I, it, I actually do truly agree with you in this statistic and that like Bryce Harper in a team that he's carrying a little bit more will have a more statistical presence. Bryce. The entire award is the most valuable player to your team, right? If you take Juan Soto away from the Padres, they're still a 100-win. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I still I think there. that Soto can be the story. Like, if he comes back and has a big year, he like that. If he has a huge year and they win 110 exactly. games or something, yeah. then oh, he yes. will be the story. Then, yes. And I he will win that. it. Well, and I think he is set to do it. When you when you really look at his season, and I'm I'm not a Juan Soto guy. 
We know that. I'm a hater. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Gabe hates anything that reaches the pinnacle of greatness. Yeah, sort of. But uh, <laughs> 22 years old or whatever he was, right? 23? 22? Yeah, 22 when he won the World so Series. So in that year, he was having a dispute with his team. Yep. He got left at the All-Star game, went to a new fucking team, and then struggled there right out of the gate. Yeah. And then the Tatis goes out like... That guy had a lot to deal with for for a kid that age. So I think, and if you look at his his numbers with the way he was seeing the ball and all that stuff, yeah, he was know. still he has a great plate year. vision and discipline. I mean, he's and an stuff amazing player. That's not what we're saying at all, right? No, we're just saying Bryce Harper's better. No, I'm not even saying that. Uh, legitimately, if you saw these switch roles, I'll probably take Soto. I'm trying to think Thanks. who else. Yeah, who else might take? Like, I mean, could Goldschmidt repeat? No. The ghost of Paul Goldschmidt, maybe. Won the fucking triple crown, almost. Yeah, I know. All right, so Cy Young. It looks like you got Garrett Cole there, and I am unfortunately not familiar with who that Diamondback player is. Gabe, actually, you could probably pull I, up the article. Uh, actually, do don't you not know, know either? Face. I think it's Zach Gallon. Zach, Zach Gallon. Gallon that's, that's right. right. That is right. That, that is right. right. So Zach, I know the name, just not the face. So Zach, Zach Gallon's name popping up on this list surprised me because that would lead me to believe because the Cy Young is a little bit of a win-heavy award. The last guy that won it without a great win total was Felix Hernandez, who had like 13, 13 wins. Yeah. Um, it may have even been 12 now that I think about it. Um, but that would lead me to believe that they think the Diamondbacks are going to have run support for Zach Gallon this year. You see, intri- like intrigued to see his name come up on this list. I do think the Diamondbacks are going to be a better team this year. Okay. Um, if they go 500 and he wins 15, 16, and has a two something ERA, that ballpark's so big. It's so pitcher friendly. Could you see him winning it with 15 yeah. wins and a 2.4 ERA and they win 83 games? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, And that's that's going to be his path if he does win it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gabe, were you interested to see Gallon up there on the list? I know you've been... Not really. Like, uh, I mean, he's just not someone who I really follow a lot. Okay. But I know for the American League, I'm liking um, um, Alex or Alex... Manoa. Manoa. Yeah. Know? He's my... Like, I was watching him last year and I, I mean, he is... No one talked about that, how he was basically a rookie. A rookie he lights the world on fire. Yes. He's so good. He's fucking dominant. Felix uh, did have 13. 13? Okay. He did, yeah. And That's then, crazy. Um, for the National League, who's someone I've been really liking? I mean, I'm a big Scherzer guy, so I always refer him. I know he's, he's, you know, long in the tooth, but but I'll always, like, I actually really like him with the with the pitch clock yes. thing. So I don't know that about hey. Gallon. How he plays with that. Yeah. But that's a big thing. Scherzer is like licking his chops. Oh, like, yeah. I don't know if you saw his interview about it. He's, he's just like, messing with hitters big time. Oh, it's just fucking awesome. I mean, so. it's, it, I gotta say, as much as I hate the pitch clock in certain ways, or I thought I did, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying seeing that, uh, Whatever. Pitchers get this advantage. I read an article yesterday that claimed the pitch clock is going to be like the baseball revolution. That's what I, Ooh, I just looked up on uh, the new same. rules. It's probably the same article, right? So you got the pitch clock and, and shift. Yeah. Did you yep. hear like the specific way that Scher- that Scherzer like laid out the way he fucks with them? Is with their timeout. Oh wait, yeah, you can't you can't hit in you can't shift this year. Harper's gonna so hit like three fifty. So yeah. technically you can, but there's yeah. rules, right? So you're so you have to have two infield players on each side of second base. Yeah. But your shortstop can damn near be behind yeah. second base still. But mm-hmm. you have to stay on that side. Yeah. Until the pitch is released. Correct. Yes. Until the pitch is released. You can't. So you can it. still sprint over after the I pitch. I still is hate released. the motherfucking yeah. shifting, but I think um, it is kind of And stupid, you can still yeah. shift your outfield. Fair enough. 
Yeah. Fair enough. So we saw an outfield like two days ago. It was one of the first ones that somebody has revealed in spring training with three outfielders to the in basically in right field. Pitch clock, huge. Yeah. Huge. So the NL? All right, you guys don't want to get down. Okay. Sorry. You talking about the rookie of the year? Yeah, rookie there. Yeah. Um, I believe the Diamondbacks players' names, these and these guys I don't know a ton about. I believe it's Corbin and Gunner. Gunner, yeah, yeah from from Baltimore. Gunner Henderson, yep. Yep. Uh who's Gunner who's, Henderson? Who's like the stud. I was gonna say, yeah, he's been on people's radars for a minute now, hasn't he? It's yes. kind of like the next big no, thing. No, he is like the stud this year. Who he's the wander this year. Oh, really? Like that. Yeah. I mean five tool guy, power. So I'm hearing mixed things. Like people are kind of trying to act like this rookie class is just as good as last year's. I don't think no it is. Like uh, you know, personally, but I don't know. You're hearing that stuff come on, and it's hard to know because young players are so much better now. There's there's so much more prepared, it seems like. But yeah. But yeah. No, I, I don't know. I'm more interested to see what Wander does this year and what Julio does to see if Julio backs up and becomes Ken Griffey Jr. Part yeah. two, and then to see if Wander becomes who he's supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and once and again, then Shohei to see if he see if he cements himself as the greatest baseball player of all time this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then comeback player of the year. Last but not least, uh, we got Chris Sale and Nick. Castanello, I believe, who made the change from New York to San Francisco this year. Thoughts on this? I'm was really surprised, by the way. Fernando's Tatis's name didn't even pop up on this list for comeback player of the year. And if he performs coming off that suspension, that's usually like the script for that kind of thing, isn't it? I don't think because of steroids, right? Wouldn't they say like that's just yeah. whatever? Like it's, it's self-inflicted. It's, it's a very much a popularity contest, right? Yeah. So I think that does hurt him. But I think he's really popular. Like, I think he's insanely popular. Well, Which is I what... agree, but I think that hurts his public image. Yeah. Yes. From no doubt. what he's coming back from. But wouldn't the, if you're the league and that guy was like your face, would you not kind of want to make him the comeback player of the year to rehab his image? I don't think to he's be the honest, face anymore. I think, I, dude, I think here's he can the get thing. it back. As, as dumb as it sounds, your face is who's on the video game, right? And right now, the face of the MLB, if you want to judge it that way, is Jazz Chisholm, which he's, no he's, Julio. You know Julio. what, Jazz? Jazz for come actually, Jazz could be a great comeback player too. Yeah, he spent a lot of time on the ILS. He's, he's, he's twenty five. He's an international player, and he pimps the fuck out. of He's football. awesome. He's uh, like everyone forgot about him for real. You know. So uh, you also have Julio. You also have like yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. If you don't need to make it, Fernando Tatis. Yeah. Who's, Fair enough. That was my entire point. Fair enough. Head shit. Yeah. Fair enough. How actually? How about for the twins? Someone saying that the twins. Uh, we, we have one of the candidates for it. Who the hell is it again? Um, As comeback player of the year. Yes. Byron so, Buxton. Someone who's supposed to have a really big bounce back year. Damn Joey it. Gallo. No. One of the pitchers, maybe. One no, no, Kent, it was a hitter, uh, and it was like a big slugger. I, I guess I'm, I'm blanking on it. Maybe I'm. I'm gonna throw Kenta Maeda in there as a dark horse. I'm going to put Joey Gallo in there if we're picking twins. If Kenta wins like 14 games. If Joey hits 30 and drives in 80 oh, and hits 100%. two, and even if it's only hitting 240, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. I don't think he knows how to read. Have you ever looked into his eyes? Who, Joey Gallo? Yeah. Yeah. Him and uh, him and uh, Cody Bellinger seem like best friends. All let's, right. Let's keep it moving I saw here. one of the bench coaches tying his shoes for him. <laughs> All right. I'm Chugging serious. the train here. NFL offseason. Uh, Aaron Rodgers about two weeks ago agreed to be traded to the Jets. Publicly. They're, they're, yeah, the, the paperwork is damn near done. What's the delay here? Let's uh, let's talk about this. Yeah. Uh, so they're getting hung up apparently on this 13th overall pick this year coming from the Jets. If I'm the Packers and or if I'm the Jets, does this pick really matter? 
It's not what I heard is the hang-up. What is the hang-up? That Rodgers may retire after one year in New yeah. York. Yeah, and which New York is doesn't want to do this big, huge deal for him if he's going to retire after just one year. Yeah. So they want their assurances. And that's the thing. It's like, how do you – Rodgers can sign a contract. But, like, if he retires – Now, we got hot under the collar under the Lamar thing earlier. There was an article that I read that came from Chris Thomason about a week ago that said that if the Aaron Rodgers thing continues to struggle – what was the other set of ownership that was in on Kirk Cousins when he hit the open market before signing with the Vikings? It was the New York Jets. They were the only other ones willing to offer him guaranteed money. New coaching staff, I would agree. New GM, yeah, I gotcha. But Kirk's going to make the same kind of money, and he's got all the weapons. And if you're the Vikings, can you then sell Kirk for the whatever is the hang-up with Aaron's deal? I think there are more teams in the NFL today than there has been in the, thir- the last 30 years that are in need of a solid quarterback. Yeah. It is crazy. Like, if you go down the list of teams in the NFL, half of them need a quarterback. Yeah. Well, it's because I think you looked at all of a sudden, we talked about it two years ago. You it watched out. The class aged out. But you also watched that ga- those set of games where it was Mahomes and Burrow, and then it was Mahomes and Allen, and then you know you're like you're looking at the the guys at the top, and you're going, oh, if we don't have that, we don't fucking stand a chance. True, but there, I mean, the Bears didn't have Peyton Manning, and they almost beat him in the Super Bowl. True, right? true. that's the thing is like if you don't have that guy, there are different strategies that you have to take. You can't just replicate the Chiefs, and that's kind of what it seems like everybody's trying to do. Yeah, and then they say, well, we don't, we have Brock Purdy, so I don't. It's just it's interesting. So I I mean, Kirk Cousins could start for a lot of teams in the NFL next year. Yeah, are the Jets one of them? Hundred percent. I think they're all in on Aaron Rodgers. I just, how do you make a guy promise that he's going to be there for longer than a year? Can't. Gabe, did you have news for us? Yeah, yeah. I actually I should have told you guys this before the show, but I actually have a little birdie, someone who I can't reveal, who's in uh, very close to the Aaron Rodgers situation. Okay. And the real hangup here is actually. It's not what Mike said. What it is is they're trying to get him a good shroom dealer. <laughs> but um, do you know who my contact is? Who my shroom dealer? <laughs> uh, All right, uh, and then Mayo replacement for Billy B. Yeah, so Robert Kraft came out to league meetings and pretty much uh, was speaking the praises of Gerard Mayo, who is a former player for uh, the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick and has since been uh, slowly elevating himself up the coaching staff. I thought this was kind of an interesting move and something I wanted to talk about, though, because when do you see Bill Belichick finally uh, kick in the proverbial football head coaching bucket? And with their reinsertion of Billy O'Brien, who's making his NFL return, probably has head coaching aspirations as well, is that not your... Heir apparent right there? Very possible. Um, If I'm Robert Kraft, what I'm trying to put in place, because to be honest, Robert Kraft will probably be out the door before Bill Belichick is. Yeah. Um, The Kraft family will continue running the Patriots, but it's continuing the Patriot way. So you need somebody who was under Bill as a coach like Bill O'Brien or as a player like Gerard Mayo who understands the Patriot way and how to do things and is going to continue that legacy. Yeah. Does it have to be Gerard Mayo? Oh, is he a great candidate who knows the Patriot way? Yeah. It, it, so you like him as a coach? I like him as a coach, for sure. D- does it – you said does it have to – is this your heir apparent? Yeah. It's one of them. Okay. 
But Fair enough. I think if Bill continues to coach for four or five years, which I think he's going to, there will be others. Does that make sense? Hey, actually, can I ask you guys, who is Belichick's, like, greatest uh, coaching progeny or whatever? Like, like who's... McDaniels. Three years ago, I would have said Matt Patricia. Six years ago, I would have said McDaniels. It gets interesting because it seems like... (laughs) It seems like their success on their side of the ball underneath Bill Mm -hmm. is almost transcendent. And then they get a head coaching job and they're unable to replicate. Bill has one of the most... Bill... As a limb on somebody's coaching tree, probably has more dead branches than any other coaching tree limb ever. But like, he's got a lot of branches. He's got a lot of branches. <laughs> got a lot. Of, got a lot of attempts. Every single one of them, KIA. Yep. Every single one. You know, we should do one day as a feature, as a segment, just the most successful coaching trees, and just we debate it. Walsh, Holmgren, as well as probably in Walsh's. The dark horse that might win is Bud Grant because Walsh is actually in his. Oh, ooh, yeah, nice. Well done, go Vikings. The Vikings were actually running the West Coast offense before the Niners. Nice. So, uh, yeah, a little tidbit of fact for you: Bobby Wagner is going back to Seattle. I love this move I for love him. It too, I, I love, love this it move too. for the Seahawks. Yep. I don't know if they get better. I think, but this one had me in my feels. Not only did it, I, I saw this, and I immediately went. Oh, Pete got his his men got his got defensive his back. Yeah, his, his defensive de- captain, right? And with the youth movement that they put into that defense last year, and all, like think about it, the two the two tackles. No, it it helps the cor- in the it, locker room. This is a helps great a move. I just don't know if they technically got better. Still, no. great move. I agree with it. Like I said, as a football fan, Bobby Wagner <clears throat> is a Seahawk. Yeah, like he needs to be in Seahawk colors on Sundays. Yeah, I don't know if it helps their defense actually get better they can't get worse they cannot get worse adding him right they can only get better i don't know if they got better but they cannot get worse with him in the room let's remember two years ago they passed on him because he was aging out and getting slower he's only gotten older and slower now so i don't know i like i said can you play him differently now though because you have so much speed around him that you were able to get you you can i mean he can almost be a monster back in the middle of the field right he can basically read and just react like late stage ray lewis Ah, uh, I would still take late stage Ray Lewis. I would too. Over Bobby Wagner five years ago, even. Um, yeah, with that, let's transition into UFC news. Yeah, uh, big fights coming up this weekend. Uh, first of all, we're going to get the, the pay-per-view with Jorge Masvidal versus Gilbert Burns, the much-rated return of uh, Jorge, and Izzy versus Piera, technically volume four, UFC's volume two. Let's kind of go around the room here first on the, the Gilbert Burns-Masvidal fight. Gabe, Dylan, thoughts? I think that Masvidal is going to get trucked. Okay. I think, past, uh, I think he's just past his expiration date. I don't think he believes in himself. I know he took the time off to try to, you know, get those whatever, get, to get wrestling right. in his yeah. game, but too late. He's, you know, the guy's put on a ton of miles. He's a legend in the sport. 20 years. Yeah. Oh, but even to say he's time. a legend in the sport, I don't even know if that's true. He was, yeah. He's more, mostly a hype. Oh, he was, he, he's a legend in his own right. Jorge Masvidal? Yes. Am I thinking of the wrong guy? Mm-hmm. Game bread? Cover a UFC? 20 years in the sport? Yeah. Yeah. He's 38. Super popular. Yeah, he started really? He started at 18. 
Yeah, he was he was fighting Kimbo huh. Slice. Yeah, he was in fighting backyard. in Kimbo Slice's. Like, have you never seen the Kimbo Slice backyard video yeah. when he was like a kid? You didn't know that? Shit out of people. Did not know that. To be honest, yeah. he came on my radar when he need Ben Askren. Yeah, yeah. And oh, that's I, right. I thought that was a lucky win, so, and I've kind of hated him ever since. <laughs> that's when he came on everyone's radar. Just really. being honest, right. like, but I he mean, had been real. Did he not had, know he was thirty eight. Thought he, he was like a twenty five year old kid. No, he he had really actually funny. he had and you know it's funny because they talk about this because three he yeah, went through nuts, I did not know that he went through a ton of brand like he changed his brand up uh, really well because he had been with Strike Force he had been with um, Bellator Shark and then World Victory Road and then came to UFC and then came yep and then came into the UFC and oh, you forgot his reality show oh <laughs> he went and did his reality show to like to get space from the sport I mean yeah. he was almost out. Yeah, in his twenties, and then uh, Dan Lambert really bring it, his. He built American Top Team on the backs of guys like Mosfidal. Um, you know, constantly investing in guys like that. So did not know that. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool Learned background on, on him. Um, I do think after watching the way that Gilbert Burns just chewed up his last opponent on the ground, that Mosfidal is in for a, a rough night. I don't think he gets put out. But I think he's going to get well handled by Gilbert Burns. To think that that yeah. was his weakness. That's what he went to work on. And then he comes back with Gilbert Burns. That's just a bad rule. No, yeah. And yeah, a reinvested Gilbert Burns in his jujitsu, not the right. striker that Kamara knocked out. It's just right. very different. Very different. Yeah. Um, then we've got the Izzy versus Piera. This is Izzy's last chance, guys. You think he's going to get the. Can he finally put him away? I'm going to say no. I don't think it's possible. Pierre is a heavyweight. Are we like right. we we? Let's be real. Come on. And he's got him. This is big brother, little brother shit, man. Oh yeah. Like, when you've knocked someone out that many times, it's like, I mean, he's got to be looking for, uh, like. I actually respect Izzy that he is going back into it like this. If he puts on a good fight and if he wins, oh holy shit, man! Do you have to do a fifth? I I gotta think he's no. I say let the man go for Christ's sake. <laughs> he earns be it. Done. It really like would be so impressive. It's just so crazy to me though, because you look back at that first fight and you go, if the first round was nine seconds longer, Izzy wins that fight. I'd be putting him back in John Jones's class almost. Like yeah. you know, where it's like a believable because that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I would say his mind is stronger than you know, than I would have ever given it credit for. I have noticed, I have noticed Izzy has been abnormally quiet in the lead up to this fight. The UFC embedded's not as much airtime for interviews. His camp has said that he has been very almost like stoic and locked in ahead of this fight instead of his normal, playful, joking, talking shit to the media type self. I, does that mean anything to anybody in here? He has to wrestle. That's all that I care about. It's like, it's true. can you right. figure out how to wrestle? Get him yeah. on the ground. Does not talking to the media really impact him leaning on his instincts in a three-second win? I don't know. Does it actually play out? I don't know. It could. It might like, help I his mean, mental focus leading into it, which could help his performance. But I don't think. I, I it think might speak to his state of mind, though. Right. Yeah. That's that's more what I'm saying. Right. Like he has cut out any of the air. It yeah. almost yeah. seems like. But how much does that truly relate to performance? Is the question. Good question. Yeah. Don't know. Right? Good question. Just Good looking question. up some of the predictions here. Majority of people are saying Masvidal is gonna. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's- uh, and then the Sandhagen fight results. Yeah, well, you actually kind of had your own little Sandhagen experience over the over the weekend. Um, some crazy judging to the point where Dana White comes out right after the fight and says, "Don't worry, I'm gonna handle that." 
I'm going to ask Gabe first because Gabe was a devout boxing fan for a long time. <laughs> do do instances like this scare you that UFC has the ability to kind of fall in the same direction of boxing where such so many of these major fights come down to a decision with a scoring system that doesn't seem perfect? I think it's just truly a matter of it's such a fucking flawed system. Yes. That, like, you know, with this, with boxing, it is so clearly like, the promoter has a home field advantage and yep. then whoopsie daisy somehow, you know, that guy won too. With UFC, it's like, it's not necessarily going the way that Dana wants it to. He he wants, you know, fair fights. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of the time, like it's not good for the sport. And so. we're just, and it's, that's like the I third or fourth time. That's like the third or fourth time this year where there have been major score disputes yeah. on main events. Well, my understanding is, is that, it's all through the sanctioning body that UFC can't touch it and that we took boxing judges and converted them to UFC and it's just it's a shit show. It's so fucking so, stupid. I have a really dumb question because this is coming from a place of ignorance about the sport. Mm-hmm. I'll make that very clear. Sure. Why not almost do like a tally system where a completed strike is a point sure. or a takedown is a point or because like almost high school wrestling esque. The reason why is the reason why, and they explored a lot of this when UFC was first coming up. I just feel like it might be easier. You can't dispute it as much, right? Dana that is part of the Dana, yeah, and that's part of yeah. what's that's part of what's in it now. But Dana has always want the score to be scored on accumulated damage as the leading factor. So let's think back to the Peter Yan fight versus Sugar Sean. Peter Yan dominates most of that fight, but. In the moments where they both engaged, yeah. Sugar Sean dealt all of the damage. I agree. And to me, that is a win. It's it, A fight is who would you rather be at the end of that fight? That's your winner. Wrestling holds a, a very odd I think kind that's, of weird advantage. That might be a sometimes. different point of view than fighters even take at fighting, though. If I mean honest. that, literally, what I quoted that's, to you right there is a quote from a rules. UFC fighter on the scoring system. It's literally based on who is more dominant in one fighter in a particular round. This is from UFC. So dominant yeah. is a different word than Meaning, beat up, right? Well, yeah. Yes. Yes, but yeah, it's that, that, essentially that's who all I'm saying the is the contrast. More basically, but it could be on the ground. You're True. not beating someone up if you're dominant. On if you go out and take somebody down in the first three seconds and just keep them on the ground for five minutes and right. dominate. You're not beating that guy up. No, you're Based not. off a 10-point system, three but that's a win. score each round separately, giving yeah, 10 points right. to the winner of the round, usually nine or less, You know, based on how dominant one fighter was in yeah. a But so that scoring and system was – yeah. and, right. and our judgment right here of the, the difference between dominant and being beat up, that's not well, objective enough for it to be a yeah, competent like, scoring system in a billion-dollar industry. 100%. Well, 100%. I mean, you literally couldn't do worse, <laughs> but, but you know, like than what it is. But, oh, it, it is judging, so it is going to be subjective. We can't do it with computers. It's not like K-Zone. No. There's always yeah, going to yeah. be some judgment with it, and I think the and, damage thing is really re- – I mean, it, it's, it's always going to be tough. There's always going to be um, – there's always going to be debate and conflict, and that's good. We just want to avoid these fucking robberies. Well, and the, the the thing that really wants to be avoided, and the reason why Dana doesn't want to go to such a boxing like Floyd. Let's be real. Floyd Mayweather was a great fighter because he he knew how to touch people, sometimes not even hard, and not get touched. He fought to the system. He fought to the system. Yeah. 
And Dana believed that that's part of what tainted boxing because you weren't getting the action that you're supposed to get. So they try their hardest to steer away from that. But how do you do that on this point system where you could literally crotch sniff for five minutes, go back to your corner and claim that you won a round? Right. Yeah. But you could. One solution, (laughs) as terrible as it sounds, is go back in time to the 1900s and be like – Wait, round limit? Who said round limit? Yeah. I can solve it. Like, let's go. One of you guys is leaving the ring and one isn't. Who's the winner? That's one solution, as barbaric as it sounds. It's technically a solution. And and mine is, and and I get that this is not like PC or whatever. It's not likely to happen. But if you did take each fighter's girlfriend and chain them to the corner... And then and I thought mine won. was bad, to be honest. Okay. I thought mine was bad. And I was like, there's no way. And then whoever wins gets to, you know. Is that a cliff? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Donald Cerrone as a Hall of Famer. No. They would not quit. I, I just, I, I don't you. see uh, Hall it. Very great. No. Hall, and, and now, Hall very great. Now, here's what yeah. I'll say. Gabe has made some arguments on this show where he says that maybe it's just our generation, right? Now, mm-hmm. Gabe is probably the interest, his interest in fighting was the prime of or the peak of what Donald Cerrone was able to accomplish. Gabe, do you think him at his best was ever a Hall of Fame level UFC talent? Okay. Donald Cerrone, and this is almost hard for me to say, but like he should be in the Hall of Fame because of what he represents to the sport. Yes, you're exactly right. Like in that era, that early era when truly he used to pat himself on the back how he didn't prepare for fights. How he didn't watch tape. How he just, like, he'd go in there and wing it. And it's like, in a way, that was cool back in the day. And now it just sounds stupid. Like, it sounds like this. At his best, I would say he's a Hall of Fame level. No, he's not a Hall of Famer. No, guys. he, He... just his longevity, the stuff like that. It's the worst kind of Hall of Famer, but, but it's Hall of Famer. He's Scott Rowland. If he wasn't in it, I mean, he's more it's like, I hate Cal Ripken, and I, I put him in the Cal Ripken space. I despise Cal Ripken. I, just, I don't know, man. I don't know if your popularity in the UFC coming from how well you get knocked out is hall of no, fame worthy that was talking about that the last three years yeah. shout us joe you <laughs> yeah did we just yeah. shout us <laughs> i mean he had a belt right i don't think he did he ever win he a title won a belt no never i gotta look it up now fight history i don't think he i thought he, he fought at 155 145 and 170 i don't think he ever won a belt oh man you gotta remember how far back this dude goes oh six no i have it right here no, no, I'm saying he never won a belt. Well, no, not at all. I'm just saying he goes back to 06. Gabe. Are one of you guys looking? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm looking right I'm now. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Third most bouts in UFC history. Second most wins in UFC lightweight history. Third most finishes in UFC lightweight, lightweight history. Most knockdowns in UFC history. Uh Tied for most post-fight bonus awards. Ooh. Tied for second most finishes in UFC history. Tied for second most wins in UFC history. Hmm. Performance of the night seven times. Submission of the night two times. Knockout of the night three times. Fight of the night oh, six times. I don't have a belt, though. I thought he was an interim champ, but it just interim, so it wouldn't matter anyway. Uh, but, like, he was good enough to get fights against no, he was. the top of the top of his weight division for years. No, guys, I hate, he was huge for a long time. I hate he to do this. We saw the end. I hate, I hate to do this to Donald Cerrone, but he's one of those guys that maybe if he would have retired three years ago, this is an easier conversation to have. 
Oh, yeah. And now, because he has maybe limited his legacy a little bit, if there's going to be a gatekeeper for what should keep what the Hall of Fame should and shouldn't be, go ahead and make Donald Cerrone the line. I think that we just got to look at it as, do we want these fighters to retire early? Or Because BJ Penn did the exact same thing. And BJ Penn, like, it's hard for me to remember what was great about BJ Penn, but he was incredible for so whatever, Ka- Ka- eight years. I found the belt question, finally. So Cerrone only got one chance at a belt, but it was against uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. Made mm-hmm. quick work of Cowboy to retain the belt. Cerrone's Oof. exciting fighting style has made him a fan favorite. That is something that cannot be taken away from him. He was always willing to step in. And, take and that is a big part of the sport. On short like notice or at any weight. Yeah, but to only to, what that means, by the way, because the UFC has operated on a ranking system for a long time as far as ranking fighters and who fights who. Yeah. If you're only in one title fight, that means you're Derek Lewis. That he, means you were around a lot, but when it came to top-tier talent, you couldn't secure it. He was the most active fighter on the roster during his 11 years. This wow. this sport... That's insane, actually. That's nuts, dude. This, this sport has emerged from prize fighting. He had the most fights, it's, the most knockouts, the most wins. The, like He's in the record right. books yeah. in Look everything other Conor than McGregor. like belt. Like that dude is not ranked. He shouldn't be getting the fights he does. It's because I started saying no. I actually had to say yes now. Uh, (laughs) I know it's the most begrudging. When you when you when you look at his resume, I get it. I just I don't know. I don't know. I think if he's not in, how like so you have to win a belt to ever even be considered for the Hall of Fame if he doesn't get in. I don't know if that's right. Do you have to win a Super Bowl ring? Do you have to have right. World Series? I don't think. No. 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 Would do you? If you're overwhelmingly do you? like popular Dan Marino in other ways. should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Never won a ring. Yeah. So. Peterson, Moss. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's transition back to baseball for our last segment of the day. We're going to continue yeah. our MLB 30 under 30 teaser. Uh, today we have 26 year olds. Man, do you remember me in 26? <laughs> Long time ago. It's unfortunately uh, in. It's he's I, looking at it in the. He's yeah, looking forward. It. I'm doing this, yeah. and Mike is. It's way long back gone. There. Uh, yes, so our four 26 year olds for today. Whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. I'm 25. Mm-hmm. Before is he we old inter- enough to be on the show. It, before oh. we introduce the 26 year olds. Why don't we break down who we've gone over so far and kind of put them in order? This is the 30 under 30 list. We figure we at some point we should maybe start ranking some of these, right? Sure, if we want to do that. Gabe, you got a graphic for me? Um, it's coming, but I, I was just going to ask you, which one of these two goes up first? The one with all the names on it. Okay. Thank you. It will come. Thank you. Uh, so we've gone through ages 30 through 27 at this point. Mike, you want to there, – there we go. Perfect. So I'm guessing that's your list in order. Exactly. And I was hoping to just get your thoughts on it. So from top to bottom, we've got Shohei Otani, Rice Harper, Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, Francisco Lindor, Alex Bregman, uh, Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa, and then uh, Sandy Alicantra at, as the lone 27-year-old on the list. Mike, any gripes with who we've got so far and where they're at? Because I love you and you're my best friend, and we finally got Bregman's name right, there is an E in Bogarts. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, pretty much agree, man. Um, yeah, I would take Bogarts over Correa as a Twins fan. I would take Lindor over Correa as a shortstop as a Twins fan. Yeah. Um, the only one I might argue, I might take Judge over Betts. But yeah, I, I pretty much agree. Mark Grace is on the... Above number one, there. Gabe. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was just making. Up. No, you're 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 good. You're good. He's like four or five on this list. 
Uh, and then what I I'm kind of disappointed that we don't have the video because we're going to be going over some names today, Mike. That I think are going to be that's going to mix this list up quite a bit. Uh yeah, I think what a it, few of them. Yeah, this is going to make me sound stupid. Yeah, but I, I sort of have never been able to follow <laughs> that. Like we're doing thirty under thirty. Yeah, but then we're doing like each age each week. Like you said, twenty six. These guys. So are it's older? thirty players. Under it's the, the 30, 30 best right. players under 30 years old, and we're going by age to count down the, all 30. Yeah. Okay. So 27, there's only one player on our list that's in the top 30 under 30 that's what as a 27-year-old. Does okay, that make okay. sense? Yeah. So, yeah, I thought we were doing like 10 at 20. Yeah. Nick does his shit okay, in yeah. weird ways. Gotcha. You just gotta figure hey, Gabe out said don't copy other shows, right? Right. So we're doing it different. Good. Good. Okay. All right. So the 26-year-olds, Rafi Devers. Rafael Devers out of Boston. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's above Correa. He's probably above Bogarts to me, too. So, yeah, he's going to switch up the list. Uh, Jordan Alvarez out of Houston. Best hitter in baseball. Right now, I would say probably the most terrifying guy to be standing on the bump against in baseball. I would agree with Gabe. Like, light tower power. Every homer. He, I was showing some highlights to Dylan, who's not a huge baseball you fan. You the crack of that dude's bat. Yeah, and Dylan. like, that thing is fucking Dylan was wrong. setting up the studio, and I'm over here watching highlights of him hit homers on my phone. And Dylan goes, I can hear that from over I here. I literally heard it from over here. The, like, wow. The only thing about him is that's all he brings. Who I mean, he. <laughs> all exactly. I'm saying. All I'm saying. He is. also he plays decent right field at times when they need him to. The, the Astros haven't needed him to. I know. He's, I he, know. I'm just saying. Would I rather have? Would I rather start my franchise around Aaron Judge or him? Mm-hmm. I personally would choose Judge because he can play the field and he's got a good arm. I, I that's fine. I can stand alone on this argument. One. I hear the argument. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not you. saying that's crazy. It's just one of those things like. The thing about so, like, here's the thing at the end of this, we are going to rank them as the top 30 players under oh, yeah. 30, right? Absolutely. So, I'm making That's my argument doing. that I personally wouldn't put him at the top of the list because all he brings is an elite level bat. That's because Otani's at the top of the list, but well, um, I wouldn't yeah. put him second because all he brings is an elite level bat. I wouldn't put him because I think Bryce Harper brings an elite level bat mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. but can feels. also do other shit, right? Yeah, like, let's like be fucking... honest about this. Yeah. Right? No, that's true. I mean, like, like you're not wrong. Your club but if he, but here's the thing he's also 26. It's where these guys are 28, 29, 30. Yeah. If Jordan Alvarez puts it together at an insane clip like he has the last two years for the next four, he'd be a one or one or two of the best players in baseball. If Carlos Correa hits 50 home runs, he'd probably be at the top of the list. You're very this, true. This you know is what like, I mean? Like, we can play ifs and buts all day. This so, is, I'm not playing right with now, your butt. This is what Jordan Alvarez has that, like, to me is special, is that he's got that Manny, um, like, that Manny thing where it's almost like he's just a savant. Like, again, another guy who doesn't know how to tie his shoes possibly. I don't know. But he will just always hit. Like, he just doesn't, it it doesn't enter his brain not to hit. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. Uh, What are the other two names on the list here, Mikey? Ozzy Albias from Atlanta. Albies. Albies. There you go. The Ronald Acuna Duplicate yeah. twin brave franchise builder. Um, interesting, kind of talking to Gabe about him before the show today, and I was I was like, Gabe, if you thought about Ozzy Albies as far as like infielders in the MLB, where would you put him? Top ten? Guy's a vacuum at second base, and hits the ball at a decent clip. So like. At 26, I mean, I'm putting him, I'd take him over Correa. I'd take him over Bogarts right now. Like, if there, he is making a really, and by the way, 
Acuna's been injured. Ozzy Albies doesn't deal with that. That guy plays a lot. Yeah. Uh, he's probably top five, to be it's, honest. He's oh, kind yeah. of a dark horse. Is Absolutely. Korea a top 10 player to you guys? He's probably top 15, top 20. By the time. Things, like, so there's 30 teams, is, right? right? Yeah. So yeah. is he a top player? Yeah. To me, uh, I mean, yeah, a top player. Like, you know, to me, top 30, yeah. yes. But for whatever reason, I just don't see what what apparently everyone else sees with him. I, he's probably he's, he's arguably one of the best fielding shortstops in the entire league. Oh, for a long period of time now. And okay. then he also bats right around three hundred, can hit twenty five home runs. Like he's, he's your he, anchor. Yeah, he's gonna play Gold Glove level fielding, and then he's gonna be your four or five and be just fine. Yeah. It seems like he should be your second best player on your team if you want to win a World and Series. That's with a high budget, yes. Yeah. Yes. But okay. with the Twins way, he can be the best player. I truly think the Twins can win 90 games this year. I, I really do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. if they do that, look at the two times the Twins have won the World Series. Neither times they've been picked preseason. They've been deep. They've just they've been deep. They've always been and deep. They've never when they had win. an amazing player. It was always like Kirby Puckett's our best player. He was never like Top fifth, top ten in the league. No bullshit. Don't you dare fucking say Gabe. that shit. Are you fucking kidding I, me? Hey, listen, I love Kirby, but he Kirby was, was three thirty six, three thirty six, and hit thirty two home runs in nineteen eighty seven. Elevated by a good lineup. You fucking pimps. You fucking dirty fucking pimps. Look at this Go guy. Look at this guy. Fuck out Look at this guy. I can't even believe that you fucking dare to say that in this house. All right, and then last name on the list, Mikey. Oh, sorry, I went away from the show right now because I was trying to prove Gabe wrong. Um. Juan Urias. Uh, yeah, this is the, only the second pitcher that has made the list. This guy is putting, I mean, injury concerns early in his career, right? Inconsistencies, but has been a big staple in that Dodgers rotation behind Kershaw for three or four years now. Um, has the ability to win 20 games. I believe he has a Cy Young award uh, to his credit at this point. Gabe, how far up this list are you putting a pitcher like Juan Urias? Hard for me to value pitchers on the same level these days, or... Um, not on the same level because I do value them personally that much. It's just, um, it seems like we're in this era where pitchers spike and they have amazing year or two, and then they level out, and then they yeah they go away. I don't know why that is, but I keep seeing it all over the place. So I don't know what to think of it anymore. Do you take him above Al- Alcantara at this point in time? Yeah, yeah, barely, but yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And those are our four guys uh, for, for this week at 26. Anything in particular? Any, anybody you think we may have left out? To be honest, I think I, I personally would really like to explore this Kirby Puckett talk. How much time we got? Uh, it's 1248. So we have like five minutes and then wrap up the show. Sure. So, Gabe, mm-hmm. just let's rationally talk about this. <laughs> I know I really hurt your feelings, and I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't mean to. So, you hurt my feelings. You hurt a state's feelings. So, you hurt the entire state of Minnesota's feelings. Dude, like, I'm a huge fan of Kirby. Apparently I didn't hurt, not. like, I. We're on Kirby Puckett Drive. I had a dog named after him. Like, uh, eighth in batting average in 1987. So, okay. um, home run wise. And let's not forget about the gold glove, right? He had 28 home runs. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Gabe disqualified all gold gloves and all previous Hall of Fame baseball talks. He did. I just said you guys overstated. That's all. Eighth in batting average, tied for 32nd in home runs in the league that year. Okay. Okay. Mike's going to do to you what he just did to me on the Lamar Jackson combo, which is death by paper cuts. He's not doing shit. Anyone who thinks that Kirby Puckett is not a top 20 talent, 
It, no, 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 we, we said top ten. Whoa, 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 so again, oh, second, the other time. So in 1987, the year that they won the World Series, mm-hmm. he was eighth in batting average, tied for 32nd in home runs, and tied for 24th in RBIs. And he was the leader of our team that year. Okay, but hold on. But why? Why do you find those to be definitive stats? Because you're just saying he's not each he's, one. How about how about adding all all those together? I can't. So which I, makes him a top 20 player in my opinion. I can't it. defend you on this, by the way. I agree with you, but I can't defend you because you're doing literally to Gabe what you did to me earlier, and I refuse to back Yo, I know. your same argument structure. Because you know I'm right a little bit. No. No. So, okay. How about then? So Let's how would you to, argue hold that? Hold on. Hold on. Wait, Let's wait, go wait, to wait. 1988. How then. would you argue he that he's not a top 10 player then? How would you argue for your case in this Hold on. Hold on here. There was never a point in time How where if you reset the league, there's okay, never a point in time. 1988. He batted 356. He had 234 hits. He hit 25 or 24 home runs and had 121 RBI. All right, so batting average. He did in one time. He did one time in the league in batting average. He was second in the league in batting average in 88. So he was a great contact hitter. Home runs wise. Guys, he batted tied third for in the fucking All-Star game. It's not like he's – I'm not inventing Gabe, this. Gabe, the All-Star game has not – that that stuff hasn't mattered. Oh, for, coming from a small market team back then, it did. Uh, okay, but it absolutely did. Here's, here's what I'll say. Can Dude, you like, think of a year? Can you think of a year? What's the fucking argument you guys are even trying to make? He got to 3,000 hits like the third <laughs> – like he really is a – Super elite guy. I, I can't even believe that you're trying to make. This I argument. love Kirby, but there was never a point in time to where if you're resetting the league in any given year and you've got the one of the top ten picks where Puckett's coming off the board. If you were to do a fantasy draft and mm-hmm. restock the entire roster of MLB is at any time in during Kirby's career, hey guys, Kirby is never one guys, of the top ten guys. To come in off 1987, the board. that was Puckett's basically his second year. No, I know, I know. Okay, so like, so let's look at 91, the other year that they won it. So, so you're not going to look at that as an elite talent? No, you guys said he was never a top ten talent, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm. That's what 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 set me off because he's had these years where he batted three fifty six, where he batted three. What year? Did, what year? What do you think his best year was, Gabe? So is Luis like Arise the best player in baseball? St- Don't do that because well, that's, that's not even a fucking. Well, all you you're putting it in a vacuum. No, 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 Gabe, no, no, no. Gabe what was runs too? What was Puckett's best statistical year all all around? I think 88, it looks like so far. Look up, hold on, hold look on. Up, I'm looking, up, I'm looking up specifically his best year. Yeah, I'm trying to look up his war. Why is this? What, is, what happened here? And I don't know why it's not showing me the war. But um, If you can show me his best year and then pull up the the well, rest here. of the All-Star team, I'll find you 10 names that I would have taken over Kirby Puckett. Okay. 1988 so far is okay. what I'm seeing. So the line there is 234 hits, 42 doubles. Right, Five one, one more time. Two thir- 232 hits. 234, 42 doubles, uh, five triples, 24 home runs, 121 RBI, six stolen bases, uh, batting average of 356, and his OPS was 920. Yeah, that's nice. Give me his war. 7.6 for that year. All right, pull up the All-Stars from that year. 1988 All-Stars? 
Okay. We're getting to the so bottom go. of this, Gabe. What's that? We're getting to the bottom of this. I don't yeah. want Mike to be right, but if you're going to be so vehemently wrong, I will back him. So here are the 1988 MLB All-Star rosters. So for the American League, George Brett. Car- well, give me the big give me give me the big names, obviously. Dave Winfield. Okay. Ricky Henderson. Oh, I'm taking Ricky over. There you go. No, There's the first one. But but you know what? No, not statistically, and I love Ricky. Wade Boggs. I'll take Ricky as the, one. The guys who'd have better stats would be like Frank Canseco, Viola, possibly. Canseco. God. Mark McGuire, Don Mattingly. McGuire, McGuire. Bad, 220 and hit four. Barry Larkin, Rafael Palmero. I'd Okay, now you're fucking reaching here. Go look at Rafi's stats. I know that Rafi's stats are good because I hate Rafi. Daryl Strawberry, Ryan Sandberg. Hold on. Oh, I'm taking Ryan Sandberg. I'm taking Ryan Sandberg. Are we not sticking in his league? You said top 10 player in the league. In the league. In the league. In his fucking league. Oh, then I agree with you 100%. If you're talking about American well, League specifically, that's going nuts for. Yeah, when no, people say the league, the though, league, you mean the you, league. You mean all 30 teams, Gabe. No, this yeah. isn't the NBA where you if say you the mean, league. If you mean this American League, I can agree with you and be done. Sure, yeah. If okay, you're, but, but you're going to move the goalposts. No, 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 no. To the American Fuck League. you guys. That is not what I'm doing. But, <laughs> but, I, but I tell you what. I don't mind ex- ex- extending it to the league as if anyone I would say refers top to 20 in the MLB the top 10 in the American league. I'd say he's like seventh or eighth. He is top 10 in baseball that year. <laughs> he was look at the fucking I'm looking in at that the year. Yes. But again, the, okay. the whole argument okay, wasn't so one apology year. Accepted. The whole argument wasn't one year though. What he, you said, he'd no, never been a top 10 player. I never said that. Bullshit. I never said the word never. Cause I make sure Bullshit. to never say never or always. Why can't you be man enough to fucking apologize? And admit because I'm not wrong. <laughs> okay, Gabe, I'm going to get to 10. You can't even fucking handle the smell of your own shit. I'm going to get to 10 here. It's the, not, it's not, it, that's Andre not. Dawson had a better year than him in 87. I know that, but it's not, we weren't that, that wasn't the argument. Shit. The it argument stands up. In, it stands up year. in 87, dude. You guys don't know jack shit. You know All what, Gabe? Right. Hey, you With know what? That, we're going to get to the bottom of it off camera for That's you fine. folks. Seven. We're going to come back. He's the se- in, in 88, he's seventh. He's Ricky seventh Henderson, Mark McGuire. Ricky Mark Henderson's Ma- not better than him that year. Ricky he's Henderson, sad. Mark McGuire, Paul Merrill, Ryan Sandberg, Roger Clemens, Greg Maddox, and Ozzy. And then, then probably Kirby. Hold on. Ozzy? Ozzy who? Albies. <laughs> yeah, Ozzy Albies. <laughs> Because I know you're not talking Ozzy Smith, who batted 240 and hit one home run and whatever. Like he's a great defender, but yeah, he's not. the like the defender. He dude. did backflips, yeah, dude. Like I mean, I get it. It was great, well. huh? Kirby could defend as well. He oh, was yeah. the guy. He like it fucking popularized robbing, you know, home runs. Yeah, I don't know. Seven Again, at best. I'm not saying he's bad by any means. No, I'm he's just, just not a top ten player at any point. At- the Twins this year remind us <laughs> oh, of how no. the '87 and '91 Twins were built. That's where this started. Star, because their superstar isn't necessarily a top ten superstar in the league. Yeah, but he is a top twenty superstar, and that is good enough for us. Dylan, what with do you that, think? Top ten in baseball. What do you think? I'm looking at the master sods. Hey, with that, thank you guys for joining us today. We will see you next week. It's April. There will still be snow on the ground, probably. But we'll have baseball. But we'll have baseball Hockey. here in Minnesota. And we will settle this next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we will try. Uh, Mike, you want to let them know where they can find us post As always, guys, you can find us on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, and 
Patreon? Twitch? How did I mess this? Wow. What happened? All right, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Oh, TikTok. I forgot Facebook. That's yeah, what happened. Did. I was going to say. Yep. That's TikTok, Spotify, that Patreon, and Twitch. If you are wanting to watch oh, us outside of your social media platforms, you can catch us on the Roku channel internationally. As long as it plugs into your TV, you MCN can watch us. MCN 6. And then MCN 6 Saturdays, late night. Make sure you tune in with us next week. We will be covering the Masters. Dylan, yeah. early predictions? John Rahm, baby. Ooh, you think he's he's going to do it, huh? John Rahm or Scotty Scheffler? Has he got a jacket yet? No. I, so you want my top three? You go John Rahm, Scheffler is eight to one odds, okay. so he's favorite. Or McElroy, he doesn't have his jacket yet. There we go. And Tiger will be back, so we will get to talk say, about is stuff. Is Tiger's, Tiger's back. Participating? Tiger's yep. back. I'm gonna take Tiger just because. There we go. There go. we go. And then we will recap UFC 287, and we will be ever closer to the NFL draft as the postseason kicks on. Until next time, stay safe, take care, have fun. See.